sounds like Europe. Cross-border podcasting. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Sounds Like Europe, cross-border podcasting, a project brought to you by WIPA. First of all, let me introduce myself. I am Javi Caminero, and I will be your host on this beautiful and exciting journey we are starting today. I am 25, and I work as a podcast producer at Prisa Audio, so I will be talking to you every episode from Madrid. Our office here in Madrid is located on Gran Vía, which is one of the most visited and busiest streets in Spain. In fact, as I talk to you right now, I can see Gran Vía. And why am I telling you this? Well, I'm originally from Puerto Llano, which is a small town towards the south of Spain. And whenever I came to Madrid as a child, I'd say to my parents and my sister, hey, do you see that building? That's the radio station. And one day I'm going to work there. There is the place where I'm talking to you now from, and it's the place where I've been working now for more than three years. So being your host in this project means a lot to me. I have fond memories of how the radio was always on at home. While my parents were cooking, while they were cleaning, or even when there was nothing to do, there was always a voice in the back. It was just part of our lives. To be honest, I don't think they did it with, with the aim of being well informed. They were just used to having the radio on and that lit a spark in me. That's why I wanted to be a journalist when I grew up. I think I'm on the right track, but I'm still trying. And being a part of this project makes it a lot more exciting. Okay, so now the introduction is out of the way. What is WIPA? WIPOD is a European project funded by the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union. It is an audio journalism project involving nine partners from six different countries. The aim of the project is to produce 24 podcasts, but also to empower independent podcasters, create a hub for the industry, and organize training and communication events across Europe. Sounds Like Europe is another step towards these goals. In this podcast, I will be talking to journalists, sound designers, editors from the European podcast industry. I will ask them all the questions I need to know the answers to in order to better understand the industry. Nevertheless, podcasting is still a very unknown medium. I bet you, as a passionate listener, have so many questions about it. Of course, in Sounds Like Europe, I will take you behind the scenes of this huge challenge and I will let you see how we are dealing with all the obstacles and I hope with all the successes we find along the way. Let's go, vamos allá. In this first episode, I want to answer a very important question. How do you start a cross-border podcast? Now, four months into the project, two co-productions are already underway. The process is both a little overwhelming and very satisfying. To explain how you manage to coordinate a cross-border podcast collaboration, I'm going to talk to someone. Alexander Damiano Ricci, Chief Operating Officer and Founding Member of Bull Media, our Belgian partner in this project. Ciao Alex, come stay. Hey Javi, thanks for having me, I'm good, thanks. Thank you, thank you. You live in Italy, hey Alex, now working at a Belgian company, you have also worked in France. I think you are a cross-border project on your own, but <laughs> tell us, uh, what's, what's your story? Yeah, well, so... My journalistic career started in 2013 when I moved to Paris to work as an Italian editor 
at the Pan-European Newsroom Café Babel. And that was already kind of a cross-border experience itself because we had in the same newsroom six different linguistic versions, so six different editors, and each editor was responsible to edit his own version or her own version, of course. But then we had cross-translations between difficult, different articles. So that was already a kind of cross-border experience itself, and it really kind of framed my mindset, I guess. Then I moved back to Italy to work on a research project in political science, but always on the sides of communications. And meanwhile, I was continuing to do reportage across Europe. So, so I, yeah. You became an, an expert in these cross-border projects, like even without knowing it, you know? Well, yeah, kind of. It was, you know, I was from the outset. I mean, my first working experience was inside something like that, a cross-border newsroom already. So it really framed my mind, as I told you. And um, I think everything, everything started in Paris uh, back in 2013. Then I did freelancing as a regular journalist for Italian media companies. But I always was kind of drawn back to these international experiences somehow, and um, which led me also eventually then to join Bull Media, uh, where we wrote, co-wrote with Prisa, the Weepod project, which is pretty much cross-border, I guess. And here in, in Weepod, you are acting as a coordinator for, for all the productions, and that's, that's quite some work. Uh, how are you dealing with all of this? Well... It takes a lot of communications with all the partners, of course. So in WePod, we have a big number of, of companies from different European countries. We coordinate through Slack um, every day and week to Milanote as well. Milanote, which is a software to organize creative projects and processes. Obviously, there's an astonishing number of meetings and calls between different partners. Um, but yeah, every co-production then has its own way of proceeding right so um yeah but in the in the essence that's it i guess and even though every co-production as you say has its own essence what would you say uh, a cross-border production of this kind must have what's a cross-border podcast well to me the essential ingredient is that two persons or two teams from different countries collaborate right so who's doing the podcast itself makes it really much a cross-border operation. That is to say that, you know, if two Italian or two Spaniards would work together and cover something happening in another country, I wouldn't define that truly cross-border. So to me, it becomes cross-border when you have two different perspectives who try to work together with all the national characteristics, but that's what makes a project really cross-border, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And... What do you think a story needs to have on this note you're, you're telling me to be compelling to both the audiences of the partners involved and to Europe as a whole? Well, obviously, there's two ways to tackle this, in my opinion. Either you have a really strong story which articulates across borders, so which is relevant for two countries, and it can be a really specific story even, which, you know, relates always to feelings and notions which are interesting, I say, for 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 humans in general meaning that you know narrative projects articulating around the story have some essential ingredients which are interesting for anyone or if you don't have that specific story you would obviously start from a general topic and then try to see try to find a story within that topic so i think these are two different approaches and then for the european european audience as a whole 
Well, I'm tempted to say that if it's relevant for two different countries, it starts being relevant also for a European audience in general, although that's not always the case. Here in WIPA, the, the projects we are we are doing, we are producing, are documentaries. This is a... Some this is important for the audience to know. And what are yeah, the yeah. different stages of the production process in in podcasts like like this? So you can can explain us. Yeah, maybe I can. I can. I will refer to WePod also. You know, f for this question, we have divided the production process in different stages. I think there is a pre-editorial stage where we brainstorm, although someone could call it already an editorial stage. Um, which then becomes slowly a pre-production phase, meaning that we start to, beyond the topic, reflect more concretely about you know the characters of each podcast, how do the different episodes talk to each other, probably, uh, tentatively, because we have not been on the ground at that stage. And then we have the production phase, which to me means pretty much going on the ground, setting, setting up interviews, working on the scripts, so the transcriptions in between, And then we have the post-production phase, which is when everything which is textual becomes eventually, so the scripts become eventually a finalized podcast. We could also add promotion to that in the end, but um, this depends a bit on how you see things, I guess. And then as well, people have to, to take into account that every podcast will be done in two uh, languages of the partners involved and also in English. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, in WePod, every co-production between different podcast companies will be post-produced into the relative national language of each partner plus into English as to have an international version. Obviously, this creates specific challenges because not all versions can be identical. You need to make room for adaptations. So that's a really important part of WePod, I'd say. Uh, as I said on the on the introduction of this episode, there are nine partners participating in WePod. Each one has their cultural background, uh, their way of working. What's the key to make such big productions work? Well, my experience told me over the years that you need people express themselves. If you come with a top-down approach and telling it's all about setting up a process, a method only, it will never work. I think it takes time just to sit around the table, understand each other. So, and I have understood this over the years, honestly. At the beginning, you know, in this European projects, you have deadlines, deliverables, and you're pretty much kind of freaking out to meet every every deliverable you have to meet, every deadline. But truly, if you apply this top-down approach only, I'm not saying it doesn't need to be in part, but if you apply this approach only, things get more difficult. So... I think it just takes a lot of talking before action. Back in, in September, Alex, when we had the, the kickoff meetings here in, in Madrid, I remember you asked everyone in one of those meetings about uh, our motivations and our fears in, in WIPOT. Now, nearly four months into this project, what, what about yours? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we all have been... Um, I know probably who's who's listening to us to this interview, you know, has been active in podcasting. So I guess the fears are, are the usual ones, you know, that, that things can go wrong production-wise, that something, you know, some stories will not work eventually. But I think it's part of the game. So I wouldn't say that I have a specific fear other than, you know, uh, anyone else in this project just because I'm the coordinator. 
But yeah, overall, I mean, it's a challenge, right, to produce so many podcasts over such a short period of time. So I don't have a specific fear, I guess, but um, how to say? Probably if I have to point out one thing, I'd really love that all podcasts speak to every audience we aim to target. And it's not really a fear, but I think it's the biggest challenge to make sure that every podcast finds its audience in every national context. I, I believe that not having many fears in this context is quite a motivation on its own. So <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> yeah. That's that's my my I take mean, there. Um, you are the first yeah. guest here on on Sounds Like Europe, Alex, and I will also like you to be here when we record the last episode. That will be near uh, nearly in two years, towards the end of 2025. So let's do something. Send a message for yourself in 2025. And as I said, in almost two years, when we get to the end of this project, we will listen to it together on the last episode of Sounds Like Europe. Well, I think I would do or ask myself two things. One is, what would you have done differently in two years from now? Um, and secondarily, I think I would be interested to know from myself in 2025 how what's happened politically in this continent has impacted our work, maybe. Because I think, you know, as journalists, we work always between the lines, you know, covering a reality, but obviously politics impacts your reality and vice versa. So I'd be interested in knowing how what has been going on in the continent has affected our work. There are three more questions, Alex. I will ask every guest yep. that I talk to in, in Sounds Like Europe. So let's see. Right now, what's the most important podcast in your country? Well, it's difficult to say what's the most important podcast in our country. I can tell you a few. I can tell you one podcast which is really listened to, at least on Spotify, which is Stories from Cecilia Sala, which is produced by Cora Media, which is one of the partners of WePod, which is surely one of the most listened podcasts. It's a daily where the journalist Cecilia Sala brings stories from across the world. And then there are, you know, many other podcasts which I think are beautifully done. But if you ask me which which one is the most important one right now, I don't know if what if important is the right definition. I don't know if it's important, but it's it's surely one of the most listened to. Okay, that's that's kind of that kind of makes it. I think. <laughs> and Thanks. When's your favorite moment, Alex, to to listen to podcasts? Because there are I when know. I. Maybe yeah. I, I used to listen to podcasts when I'm uh, working out on the gym or maybe when I'm cleaning my house. What what was your moment? Well, you guess one of the two moments. One is when I clean up my, my house, my apartment, the flat. Um, and the other one is when I drive in my car for, say, a long distance. Long distance meaning when it's longer than, than an hour. And just our curiosity and to, to close this interview was something that makes you stop everything and go listen to a podcast? I'm particularly interested in journalistic podcasts which have a narrative dimension. So whenever I see an inquiry, an investigation in the form of podcast, that's really something that uh, that intrigues me. So for instance, one of the last ones I listened to, I had to absolutely was, um, it's called Ostsee, which is a podcast by Die Zeit and Die Deutsche Zeitung from, from Germany. And it's an investigation into um, the, um, the bombing of the Nord Stream uh, within the sea. And, you know, whenever there's something journalistic in the form of podcasting, which is narrative, serial, I really stop and say, you know, I have to listen to that. 
I think working with you now in, in one of the, our co-productions, I think I'm, I'm starting to get why you, you are so much into narrative podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, Alex, uh, Alexander, Damiano Ricci, coordinator of the WePod project and COO of Bull Media. Thanks a lot for your time and for being here on the first episode of Sounds Like Europe. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Javi. Thank you. And to everyone on the other side, I've been your host, Javi Gaminero. Thank you for listening and I hope you'll do it again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Sounds Like Europe, cross-border podcasting is a WePod podcast funded by the Creative Europe programme. Hosted and written by Javi Caminero, sound design by Manu Tomio, coordinator Alexander Damiano Ricci, executive producer Anna Ribera. <laughs>